Thank you for joining Truth Center Podcast. Our purpose is to grow people who change the world's image of God by maintaining God's image in the world. For more detailed information about our church, go to our website at truthcenter.org. Now, enjoy today's word. Would you go with me to the book of Mark, chapter 4? And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the continuing series that we're in. Uh, called Thy Kingdom Come, Thy Will Be Done. Thy Kingdom Come, Thy Will Be Done. And I believe this is the fourth installment of this series. And just to kind of bring you up to speed, some of you that have not been with us, we've been talking about the most important message that Jesus really came to bring, and that is the kingdom of God. He came to, to share Now it is here. It's here. It's on the scene. He came preaching this vital message. It is true that Jesus moved all over Judea, pronouncing the reign of God and the kingdom as if it were a notion he wanted the simplest soul to get his mind around. But simplicity was not what hearers walked away with. He made it clear that this kingdom was approaching, that it is here, that it was among us, and that we needed to enter it that we desperately need the one who reigns within it. So he came preaching this message about the kingdom. And he said, the kingdom is now in you. The kingdom is in you. In the book of Daniel, it talks about four different kingdoms that Nebuchadnezzar had a problem with in his dream. Um, uh, kingdoms like Persia and, and the Grecian kingdom and the Roman kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom. And so there's a, there's a word there that talks about um, the, the kingdom that will be coming will not be physical. It will be hewn out of a mountain. A stone will be hewn out of a mountain. We know who that stone is. And that, and that kingdom will no longer be passed on. It would be a kingdom that would be not something that would rise and fall physically. But this kingdom would be different. It would be moved from heart to heart. It would be a whole different kind of kingdom. Now, I know sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our minds around that whole concept of kingdom because we live in a democracy. Yes, we have, (laughs) we we may see an authoritarian attitude being exercised right now, but um, we don't live under a king. Amen. Thank God for that. Boy, we'd be in some trouble. Amen. But thank God. We live in a democracy where we get a chance to vote people out. If we're not happy. Amen. America is still the greatest place on the planet to live. And I traveled all over the world. It is still the greatest place. It, it, is, it, is, it is slipping, but it's still, the, right now it's still up there. So we have, Jesus came, but Jesus said, listen, I have come to bring you God's intent, the kingdom of God. And this is eternal. This will never stop. It will never cease. So to get an understanding of what he is talking about, he tried to give certain, certain natural examples 
like a mustard seed. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. And, and if you, and if you plant it, it grows like a tree. And eventually the birds in the air can land and make nests in the tree. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Or the kingdom is like leaven. When you put leaven in something, it will leaven the whole thing. Eventually the kingdom spreads. I don't really pay attention all the time to a lot of the data we see because there are certain things that the word of God has told us that he, God is going to do. The church has survived in every generation it's found itself in. you got to understand. It's, you know, you think roaches live long. <laughs> What an analogy, right? <laughs> but you can't kill a roach. I mean, they're just going to proliferate. <laughs> but the kingdom finds itself. No matter what happens, you put pressure on it, it spreads. You beat the church down, it somehow rises. It can't be defeated because it's conceived and given life by God himself. So no matter what you do to it, it will always be around. The second message Jesus came to preach, which he wanted to parallel against the kingdom, was money. You think he talked about, and we, we pastors, we don't really like to talk about money. I'm a pastor that doesn't like to talk about money. But I have to talk about it because it's a reality, because Jesus talked about it. And he talked about it more than any other subject for some reason. Here's the reason. Because mammon competes with God for the hearts of humanity. Mammon competes with God for the hearts of human beings. And so he said, you can't serve both God and mammon. And he said that for a reason. New York is the, the capital of the world's system. New York. And so there are certain entities within New York that you don't see with your naked eye. You have to sense in the realm of the spirit. Okay, I'm talking to spiritual people. I just shifted. Wall Street is a powerful area, financial area here in the city. It's a powerful area, period, in the city. So the spirit of mammon has made its capital New York. New York is a port city. Everything that enters, things that enter this nation enter through New York. Are you hearing me? It's a port city, like Corinth, Old Test, Old New Testament Corinth. It was a port city. It entered through Corinth, and Corinth had some of everything going on in it. All kinds of deities and all kinds of gods and all kinds of religious activities. Corinth was some city. And so to, to, to even use the word, uh, Corinthian was like a moniker. You know, people, when you go down south and you say, I'm a New Yorker, they right away look at you. 
Have you noticed that? There's certain things. You're supposed to have a certain sophistication, a, a certain understanding of, of worldly things. And you're supposed to know some things. You're not supposed to be slow and, and, and behind the times. You should be up with it. You know, you, I'm a New Yorker. Sometimes you get in trouble by saying that, but. And so this is a port city, and through this, through New York, everything comes. I was actually on 8th Avenue the other day, and, and just looking around at the activity. And because I'm a little sensitive spiritually, I look at and see what is, what is manifesting in this place. And it was interesting to see all of the, all of the activity spiritually manifesting itself in this place. Just walking down the street. And so New York is the capital of the world's system and the, and the capital of, of where mammon would rest and find its strength, power, materialism, comfort, success. Everybody wants to be successful. Celebrity. Those are things that people seek, some to their demise. I remember someone writing an article, Village Voice article, years ago, and the lady was talking about Julia Roberts and Sylvester Stallone, who both wanted to be successful. Well, they have become successful. And some, and, and the two of them, were, were repeating how sometimes they wished they were back where they were when they were serving tables and life was easier. And they didn't have everything that they have. Sometimes once we achieve these things, it's the worst thing that could happen to a person. Because their lives go off the rails. They were happier before just thinking about it. <laughs> but the kingdom is a whole new administration. It's a whole new administration. It, it's, it's challenging for us to wrap our minds around it, again, because it's not a concept that we deal with. We don't live in Great Britain that colonized uh, the Bahamas. But we can use the analogy. When the kingdom comes, literally, you are being colonized into the kingdom. And the emissary is not a prime minister that we send to, to adapt people to the culture, to the language, to all of the things that, that, that Bahamas was em, embraced by way of Great Britain. We embrace the things that the king, that the, that the Holy Spirit, who is the emissary, brings by way of the kingdom. And so this whole kingdom is different. There's a language in the kingdom called tongues. There's a constitution in the kingdom called the Bible. There's a health plan in the kingdom called divine health. Are you hearing me this morning? There's an economic plan called alms, or offerings, or tithing. There's an economic plan in the kingdom. There's an agenda, a, a main agenda, save the lost. And it all operates under this one banner. 
It's called the word. Everybody say the word. The word, the word, the word, the word. The word is so important to God that it's equivalent to his own name. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. How many of you experienced that from God? Let me experience God's steadfast love and his faithfulness to you beyond a shadow of a doubt. For you have exalted above all things, what? Your name and what? You know why he can do that? Because his name, his word, is equivalent to his name. When you give somebody your word, you're also putting your name out there. Are you hearing me? You must care about your name. Are you hearing me? I went to see my granddaughter play soccer yesterday in this brutal cold weather. And, you know, it's just wonderful seeing my grandchildren accomplish things. And they're, they're really doing some great things. But I found myself, you know, when she wears this shirt with Pettis on the back of it, I find myself like, mm. I'm proud to see my grandchild proud to wear that name. Are you hearing me? We haven't smeared the name. Are you with me? I had to be mindful that one day these kids have to live under the banner of that name. Just like your children and your grandchildren have to live with your name. So protect your name. That should be enough to keep you from doing certain things. Are you hearing me this morning? Powerful thing, your name. I remember when, when we first started the church and, and my mother, my mother's a very frank woman. She, she speaks, she's one of those mothers that speaks whatever comes, you know. <laughs> and as she gets older, she gets, it's, it's diminishing. She speaks whatever comes up. But I remember her telling me, she says, she says, we were sharing with her, I said, Ma, I think the Lord is calling me to start a church, you know. And, and um, she said, that's wonderful, son. She said, just don't make me ashamed. And then she went in to define what that meant. I mean, she went deep. I said, Mom, I pray I'd never make you ashamed. You know, and because the name, everybody say your name. Your name means something. Amen? Your name means something. So God's word, whenever God speaks, his word is like consistent with his name. Name is powerful. God is showing you, as a believer, what to place value on. When his word comes to you, trust his word. Are you hearing me? His word is valued in, in the visible realm and in the invisible realm. Credibility of your name is rooted in the credibility of your word. So if you give somebody a promise, make sure your words don't fall to the street. 
Make sure you try to, you know, keep your word. Isaiah 55 says this. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to who? And bread to who? Give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. Shall not return to me what? Boy, I sure know that's the truth. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And shall succeed in the thing. Are you a thing he sent it to? So you will succeed. Are you hearing me? His word inside of you will succeed. To which I sent it. Very often when we get into a counseling session, I'm asking people, what did God say to you? Because I can't counsel you beyond what he says. Are you hearing me? I can reinforce what he says. I can even explain what he said. But I can't counsel you beyond what he said to you. You know, people come, Pastor, the Lord is telling me, right away. That's when they draw the line. Boom. They say, they're actually saying, Pastor, don't say anything else to me. This is what the Lord said. But I need you to know. So the Lord said, okay, that's it. And that's what you go with. I mean, you found that sometimes you think the Lord said a thing. And it's not always true, the reality of what he said. Amen? But I like this because it, it, it talks about, it gives the analogy of rain. We see rain and snow coming down and, and, and producing flowers and all the other things that it produces. The word does the same thing. God compares his word with rain and snow because like precipitation, God's word always fulfills his good purposes. Every word sent by God has a specific purpose attached. There is no such thing as a word of God without purpose. Nothing, no such thing. So you need to hear what God is saying. You need to hear what God has said about your children. You need to hear what God has said about your destiny, about your life. You need to know what he said. And when he says something to you, write it down. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. I've got prayer journals that go back years and the word of God consistent over the years. And even with things that, he's, that he wants to say and take us to, there'll be a word that'll come. Again, God gives, he sends his word for a purpose. To give you direction. You're not out here having to figure it out. The word provides parameters for your life. When you know what God has said to you, you don't live outside of that boundary. That keeps you safe. It's what keeps you peace. You live within those parameters. That God has spoken to you. Am I talking to anybody today? The word is the kingdom in seed form. That's what it is. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom right here. 
When you read it, you're reading. That's the kingdom you're receiving right off the pages. We are the soil that hosts the kingdom. So the word comes and it comes both to you corporately, us as a church, or as a body of Christ, and it comes to us personally. The word comes how? Corporately and what? Come on, talk to me, TC. The word comes what? Corporately and what? Personally. The corporate word God sends never fails. What is the word God sent to us? Jesus. In a nutshell. That's what God sent to us. In word for Jesus. Did Jesus fail? No, he didn't. He didn't fail. He succeeded. But personal word only fails in the individual. It fails sometimes because we don't apply the faith for it to happen. Holistically, as a personal, it doesn't fail. But, but it fails sometimes when he sends it to a person because the person can't believe it. Has it failed? No, it just it will accomplish itself. You don't receive it, it's, go, it's going to accomplish itself in somebody else's life. So as a whole, you need to know what God has said to you specifically, personally. You need to know. Each individual soil, again, the word is the seed, our hearts are the soil, each individual soil, when mixed with faith, determines the measure of impact that that word has in that life. It's relevant and pressing and deals with every problem you have. Did you hear what I just said? The word comes, it's relevant and practical and deals with every problem that you have in life. God's word will always accomplish what he desires, whether it is teaching, correcting, training, leading us to him, revealing our sin, or some other good and profitable end. God's word will always accomplish its purpose. Always. So the word is the primary secret of the kingdom. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, outside of what? Everything is in what? Those outside of what? So there are people in the kingdom and there are people outside the kingdom. You have a problem with people who believe in universalism. Because that right there rips the whole concept of universalism apart. Universalists believe everybody say. That's what our dear brother Carlton Pearson was deceived into. The universalist believes everybody. I like what I heard this morning. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. <laughs> and we were dead before he showed up. Alienated to him. Amen? 
And so, so we have this, 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 the secret of the kingdom is the word. It's, the, it's, it's, it's Jesus. That's why Jesus placed such an important uh, emphasis on this parable. You don't understand this. If you don't understand this one, you won't understand any. He said, verse 12, so that they may indeed see and not perceive and may indeed hear and not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. They're not going to turn and be forgiven anyway. So he spoke in parables. Amen. Thank God when you heard, you received. Not everybody receives. It sounds like foolishness to those outside of the kingdom. But those who are inside, it's a privilege. All right, Mark chapter 4. Let me read the text, which I should have read before. Mark chapter 4, verse 14 through 20. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word was sown. When they hear Satan immediately, how fast does he come? Comes and takes away that which is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and do what? Choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil, everybody say good soil, are the ones who, who hear the word and accept it. They hear it and they accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So he said in verse 10, he talks about the secret of the kingdom has been given to you and not to them. It's interesting language he uses there. Verse 11. And he said to them, to you it has been given the secret of the kingdom, but to those outside everything is in parables. That word secret, there's a word mysterion. Mysterion. It's a Greek word where we get our word mystery from. It's really not a secret as much as it is a mystery. See, because a secret can be uncovered. A mystery has to be discovered. Are you hearing me? So, so, so a secret, you uncover a secret and everything's known. But a mystery has to be discovered along the way. Something that has been a secret can be comprehended immediately upon its exposure. Whereas a mystery requires something more from the person comprehending it. I love God. God gets you involved in what he does. He doesn't just give you everything, everything for free. Here, take, take, take. No, no, no. He needs you. When you ask God for something, be ready for him to tell you something. Are you hearing me? 
He needs you to be involved because it's about a relationship. How many have been in a relationship? Oh, thank you. We got five. And I know some of y'all are married. Gosh. What do you def- how do you define that? When you're in a relationship with somebody, you don't want to be there by yourself, no matter what it is. Any kind of relationship, a friendship, you don't want to always be doing things yourself. It's like I'm always plowing. I'm like, this is work. When you going to plow? When are you going to set up something for my birthday? When are you going to take me out to, don't just ask me to go to dinner. Have a plan. I take Pastor B, I got a whole plan, whole night plan. You hear me? And when I want to be romantic, I have a very <laughs> detailed plan. I made sure when, when my kids were small, I made sure somebody had my kids. You know? You can't ask. Come on, brothers. She's dealing with three, four kids. The kids are driving her up a wall. And you're on a date night. And you don't make the plan. Then you want to come on, baby, let's be. No, she don't want that. You better go on, baby, somewhere else. Leave me alone. Man, you got to plow the soil. You got to prepare the ground. Amen. Prepare the soil. Prepare the ground. You know, find out things that she likes. She shouldn't always have to tell you what she wants. You know, I got a whole file on Pastor B. When she says something, when she says, oh, that's nice. Right away, it goes into my... I got a whole file on her. I don't have to ask her where she want to go. I don't have to ask her what she want for her birthday. I don't have to ask her nothing. She already tell me. You just got to listen. Everybody say, listen. And do you know how, how much value you place on them when you're... Because they're communicative beings. They want you to listen. Now, this is not a marriage class. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing some stuff out there. Just, just, you know, brother, just say it's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> semester has to be discovered <laughs> God uses the gospel preaching of Jesus to spread a message of salvation that was hidden for centuries it was a mystery hidden for centuries Adam and Eve didn't hear it Moses didn't hear it Adam, Abraham didn't hear they didn't, they didn't hear they got glimpses. I didn't get a full message. The mystery was handed to a prop to an apostle called Paul. And he unpacked it. And God used this man to bring in a group of people who the Jews thought would, they were the only ones. And here come these folks. They're not circumcised. Put your pants down. <laughs> They were uncircumcised. Paul said, I'm going to bring these uncircumcised folk in because they're going to be circumcised different. They're going to be right in here. 
He going, it's not going to be physical anymore. Yeah, that was symbolic. But now we get into the real thing. It's right in here where you got to be circumcised. So the Jews had a problem with it until they brought them in. And, the, and, the, and the, the, the church in Jerusalem said, all right, we just want them to obey these four things. Don't let them eat anything in blood and, and, and stay away from sexual immorality and a couple of other things. They said, stay away from those things. But as long as you do that, you're part of this group. We embrace you. And the mystery began to unfold. The secret of the kingdom, mysterion, was revealed. How God can take these folks, Jew, Gentile, and make them one. And Paul began to unpack it and say certain things in the scriptures. He said, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. Paul began to unpack the secret. Another place he says, in Colossians 1, 24, 26, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became what? A minister according to the stewardship of God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known, not partially known, fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now is revealed to the saints. Say, thank God has been revealed to me. He says it in another place. He says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I like him telling me how strong it is because things are pretty shaky around here, folks. Things are pretty shaky in America right now, but we got a kingdom that cannot be shaken on the inside of us. So no matter what's happening externally, man, I got this rock that keeps me grounded. And when my king speaks, I don't care what king, what person out here external think they got power. I know where the power source is. And thus, let us offer God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. So the parable of the, of the seed, the, the parable of the sower was key because he wanted you to check out what kind of heart you have receiving this kingdom. Make sure you have the right heart. Importance of the parable. Jesus said, if you don't get this one, you don't get any of them. So this is the premier parable. You've got to understand this, the, this, the sower and the seed and the soil. This is it. Understand this one and you'll get them all. Casual heart. Verse 15. Satan comes because of the word. Because of no other reason does he come but because of the word. Why is he intimidated by you receiving the word? Because once you have the word, you are no longer under his dominion. Are you hearing me? So he doesn't want that word to be seated in you. But here's the thing. Casual people don't even realize that they got it. How do you steal something from somebody? Who has nothing? 
There's a scripture that talks about that because they don't realize they have something. They never placed any value. They thought coming here was just like, all right, this is my, this is my, my, my weekly duty. No! Like I said last week, this is the dispensary of life. This is where you get it. If Satan comes immediately, it must be important. Are you hearing me, church? He must greatly fear its ability. And the scripture says the opposition comes to you because you are a carrier. So the minute you receive the word, all hell's going to break loose. I'm, stop telling people that all their problems going. They going. They they will deal with issues for the rest of their days, but they will have the solution to every issue. It's dealing with things without solutions that that becomes very difficult. And to not know that you are within a realm of protection. Sometimes you ask yourself, God, why do you let this opposition? Because tribulation worketh what? Patience, patience worketh hope and hope. It's a whole process. Hope maketh not a shame. Satan understands the ability of the word to make one resistant to his schemes. So he also knows its power to free you from every form of oppression. To complete freedom. Don't you know this is what Jesus meant when he said, if anyone be in Christ, he is free. What? Indeed. He's free. Free from low self-esteem. Free from a bad perception of yourself. Free from what people say. He is free. And Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you are you truly my disciples. So if you hang out, if you let it do something inside, if you capture it and let it germinate inside you, as we talked about the seed last week, let it germinate. Then it becomes something. Then it goes on to talk about in verse 16, a rocky heart. They're excited about what they hear, but there's no depth. They endure for a while, and then tribulation and persecution because of the word again. Don't you realize because you're a carrier? I told we were having a conversation with somebody, I think, uh, a few days ago. I said, are you a carrier? I said, Pastor, carrier of what? Carrier of the word. He said, yes. I said, didn't expect persecution. And I'm not talking about people talking about you. That ain't real. That's not persecution. That, that's not persecution. That's not persecution. How about this? Children get saved. They allow them to get saved in the Middle East, certain parts. When two fathers get saved, it's a whole different ballgame. They kill one. And the other one, they beat him so bad, he can't, he's unrecognizable. That's called persecution. Did they denounce Jesus? No. This Western world, we're going to figure it out. Have you ever met someone that began a journey with Jesus, but they didn't continue? And we know know plenty of folks like that. What happened? The world. Pressure. Please note, because you're a carrier of the word, tribulation and persecution should be expected. It should be expected. Next thing he talked about was a thorny heart. Verse 18. 
No, these folks whose commitment are superficial cares of the word, they, they, they get caught up with riches and deceit of mammon. They desire for other things, other things like a new love interest. I know some sisters that were faithful until this dude showed up. I mean, faith at every prayer meeting. All of a sudden, this guy shows up. What happened to Whole new love interest. He replaced Jesus. Oh, yeah, people replace Jesus. Yeah, they do. Stuff replaces Jesus. This is what he's talking about. Yeah. And you fall for, for superficiality that can be shaken. And when it's shaken, Here's the thing. We should learn from some of the things we go through in life that we don't do them again or we do it different. Very definition of stupidity is doing the same thing same way over again. Amen. So we should learn from some of the things we go through. He said thorny heart caught up. But 20 verse 20 is good soil. Unlike the others, because they accept what they hear, the word can only profit those who accept it. And their productivity is based on their level of acceptance. How you produce and how productive you are is based on the level of one's acceptance. So if you're not where you were when you first got saved, guess what? There are certain things you received. Amen? There are certain things you've learned to what? Except you've accepted certain things and the word has now produced something in your life. You're always going to go through things because we have to have faith. We move from levels of faith to levels of faith to levels of faith. How many of you realize you're in a place right now where faith is being worked on? I know I am. I'm always in this place of faith. Okay, Lord, what does this mean? Okay, this is another level of faith. I got to go through that process. I got to receive the word. I got to make sure I hold on to it because somebody's trying to take it from me. And I've got to hold on to what you said. No matter how long it takes to fulfill itself. That's why there's a meanwhile in the Bible. Meanwhile is mean. While things are mean. Are you hearing me? Wild things are mean. Because there are things that get mean. They get tough. How many of you found that out? Life gets tough. It gets tough. But as you hang in there, it will not return void. But it will accomplish its purpose for which it was sent. There was a reason it was sent. Okay. Good soil. Everybody say good soil. The law of acceptance. You produce to the degree that you accept. The people who produce 30, accept 30, 30%. People who produce 60, accept 60%. People who produce 100, they've accepted it all. And notice, out of the four types of soil, one out of four. One out of four. Are you hearing me? And all of those soils are in this room right now. 
One out of four. Those are not really great numbers. That's why he said, bottom line, I just have a remnant anyway. I just have a remnant of people who've learned the real message of the gospel. And what is that message? To make an exchange of yourself for him. Ain't too many people doing that, folks. Let me wrap this up by saying this. This is what he said. Let's read this together. Blessed are those who are what? Everybody say poor in spirit. For theirs is what? So who, whose is the kingdom? People who are what? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Because that's how you get the kingdom. What does it mean? What is it to be poor in spirit? Poor in spirit are those blessed ones who have repudiated every external thing and have rooted their hearts in an all sense of possessing Jesus. And they fully understand stewardship. Stewardship is not managing what you own. Stewardship is managing what belongs to somebody else. So you understand stewardship. You understand the reality of your life, that you are a possessor of nothing. You are a steward of everything you have. And you know possessors from stewards. We'll get into that a little deeper later on. But you know a possessor from a steward. I've run into pastors who become possessors and not stewards. Here's a, here's a dangerous statement. My people. Y'all ever heard that? No? How many folks you running? Oh, God, about 400. My people. Dangerous. Steward. Everybody say steward. Steward. So here's a powerful statement by A.W. Tosa, and we're going to wrap it up. And this is the idea of poor and steward. To reach an inward state paralleling the outward circumstances of the common beggar in the street. Did you get that? That's what being poor in spirit is. To have an inward state that parallels the outward circumstances of a beggar in the street. It always keeps you in need of God. And never have you thinking that you did this on your own. Are you hearing me? You need to be reminded. It's me. It's you, Lord. It's only you. If it were not for your grace. If it were not for your mercy, God, I know how incapable life is like a vapor. It appears one minute and disappears the next. Let me prepare my mind and heart for the next dimension. That's where I want to live. Let me live in that place. And whatever you tell me to do in time, I'm free to do it. 
That's what poor in spirit really means. Close your Bibles. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. Thank you.